Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Never mind the reports and the speculation and the innuendo that they were going to delay the franchise tag deadline. They didn't. The tag window closed at 4 p.m. Eastern today. And as of 5 p.m. Eastern, we have a full hour to talk about who was tagged, who wasn't tagged, and what it all means for free agency, which begins in seven days and 23 hours. She's Shereen Williams. I'm Mike Florio. It's PFTPM. We're with you as previously mentioned for the next hour. Shereen, how's everything in Texas today? It's fantastic, Mike. It was such a fun day, right? With all these tags and everything else and more of this to come. So never a dull day in the NFL. Technically, 10 players were franchise tagged, even though one of them, Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott, will be signing a long-term deal. My understanding is that He specifically wanted to be tagged as part of these negotiations. This is what happens when you have leverage. You can say to the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones, I'll sign your contract, but I also want you to apply the franchise tag to me because that makes it harder for you or anyone else to ever tag me at any point again over the balance of my career, Shireen, because the third time a quarterback is tagged, he's getting a 44% raise over his salary cap number from the prior year, which means Dak Prescott, even though he's already got a no tag clause in this new contract and his final two years void when it's too late to use the franchise tag on top of all that 44% raise anytime anyone ever tags him again from now until the day he retires. And that means, Mike, that three years from now, they're going to have to start talking contract extension yet again. And he's a young guy and is going to get to do this all over again because they're not going to be able to tag him. And one of the Cowboys.com guys, Rob Phillips, tweeted earlier today that I'm glad this extension is behind us so we never have to talk about it again. I said, are you going somewhere in the next four years? Because... They are going to be talking about this, Mike. Three years from now, they're going to be talking about another extension for him. Shereen, you know how I feel about people in the media complaining about stories to cover. With that attitude, he will be going someplace in the next four years. He'll be going to another (laughs) line of work. Do not – listen, any of you media people out there who watch this show, first of all, thank you. Second of all, what in the hell are you thinking complaining about stories? I had people text me last night, man, I'm glad that's over. Why? Why? Why are you glad it's over? It's a good story. It's a gift that keeps on giving. People are interested in it. If all the stories go away, we got nothing to do, people. God, that pisses me off. Sorry, London. All right. uh, We'll talk more about the DAC contract and what it means and some other interesting facets of it coming up later in the show. For now, the news is the tags. And let's rattle them off. We talked about Dak Prescott. Broncos tag Justin Simmons second time for him. That means long-term deal or he'll be gone next year. Taylor Moten, Panthers tackle, tagged for the first time. Marcus May, Jets safety, tagged for the first time. Brandon Scherf, the Washington football team, tagged for the second time. Long-term deal for him by July 15, or he'll be gone next year. Leonard Williams, 
tagged for the second time. Ditto, long-term deal by July 15, or Gonzo in 2022. Cam Robinson, some people called it a surprise. I, we, we'd heard the talk about Cam Robinson possibly being tagged by the Jaguars. They've got the cap space to do it. They did it. Allen Robinson, Bears receiver, tagged. That was expected. The one surprise, the big surprise, Marcus Williams, the New Orleans Saints safety, in, in part because we weren't expecting it and in part because they have cap issues, but they'll get it all figured out by next Wednesday. Shereen, let's focus first, though, on the one I didn't mention, Buccaneers receiver Chris Godwin. That was a surprise to me because I thought the tag was going to go to Shaq Barrett. I thought it was going to be Shaq Barrett tag. Linebacker, pass rusher, it would have been the second time for him at $18.99 million, or long-term deal for Barrett and Godwin tagged. What we got is Godwin tagged, no tag for Barrett, obviously, you got one per team, and no deal yet. We reported earlier today via Twitter, I don't think I wrote this, but we reported on Twitter that they're talking to Shaq Barrett about a long-term deal, but their leverage went out the window, their ability to block him from the market went out the window, because as of now, he can walk away in eight days and sign with anyone he wants. And that's a risky move for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I think that Shaq Barrett's a lot more important to that team, frankly, in all due respect to Chris Godwin, than Godwin is. You know what it tells you, Mike? It tells me something we already knew. It just confirms that Tom Brady is firmly in charge of this organization. He has a hand. He has a say. It's his team. It's his face of the organization. I guarantee you he wanted Chris Godwin back, so the Bucks made sure Chris Godwin was coming back. They're, they have so much depth at receiver. There was no need to apply the tag. Let Chris Godwin walk away. You've got Tyler Johnson. You've got uh, Scotty Miller. You've got, of course, Mike Evans. You've got plenty of receivers. You can re-sign AB for less money. Tons of options there at receiver. But, Mike, they better get Shaq Barrett re-signed or they better find a pass rusher because he is the guy. I don't know that the Bucks would have won the Super Bowl without Shaq Barrett. When you look at the four sacks and the eight quarterback pressures that he had in the last two games, the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, they could not have done it without him. He was a big part of that, and they have no one else to rush the passer like Shaq Barrett can rush the passer. So they either need to re-sign him or find someone else to replace him, which may be even more costly, to get this thing done and have a chance at a repeat. Now, maybe they're looking at this year's free agency class, and this was something that dawned on me not that long ago looking at some of the depth charts we were going through yesterday, the teams in the NFC West, yeah. and which defenders are better than J.J. Watt or which defenders would you rather have? And my God, the number of free agents and league-wide, the number of pass rushers due to become free agents. Maybe they're thinking, look, we got Shaq Barrett on a one-year deal from the Denver Broncos two years ago, and it worked out. We'll go get someone else like that. We've got Vita Vea on the inside. We've got JPP on the other side. Maybe they bring back Indomitian Sue. Maybe they're just realizing that Shaq Barrett, too rich, for the Buccaneers blood and you know the reality is they tag him this year and he said I want to break the bank they tag him this year and he's like the other guys who have been tagged for a second time Justin Simmons Brandon Scherf etc long-term deal by July 15 or walks away next year because next year the third tag for non-quarterbacks the tag becomes quarterback money or a 44 percent bump so there's no way he was going to get tagged a third time. And now the question is, will he stay? And if not, who are they targeting to replace him? And maybe there's somebody out there they already have an eye on. Look, it would be naive to assume that 
in not tagging Shaq Barrett, the Buccaneers don't have a plan for replacing him. I don't think let's see what happens is the plan that the Buccaneers have hatched here, Shireen. (laughs) No, probably not, Mike. And let's not be naive either. I mean, we know the negotiating period doesn't start for a little bit, but let's be honest. They've already talked. Agents have talked. They know where teams stand. They know who's interested in their players. You know, we all know that. Naive to think that doesn't happen. So, I I firmly believe they have a plan, but whatever their plan is, they better make sure it works and they better lock up one of these guys. I like Shaq Barrett and think he fits their defense perfectly. I mean, the 19 and a half sacks last season was fantastic. I mean, 2019 was fantastic. He followed that up with eight sacks this year. And and as I said, he was so important in that playoff run for the Buccaneers. I just think he's a big part of what they do. So I would hope that they would try to get him back. We know they re-signed Levante David today to a two-year deal they've agreed to. So they did get one of those pieces back on their defense. They need Shaq Barrett back too, in my opinion. And let me tell you, Levante David is not signing the two-year extension to stay with the Buccaneers unless he has looked around and found out what else is out there. It happens. It's tampering. Sometimes tampering helps a team because in this case, the fact if it happened, and it would have been malpractice, frankly, by Levante David's agent if it didn't happen, if David called around, Browns, for example, were linked to David. Well, okay, let's have a hypothetical conversation. If, if hypothetically, a veteran linebacker who hypothetically plays for a team in Tampa and hypothetically has been there since 2012, hypothetically becomes available, what hypothetically would you be willing to pay? There's a way to find out. And you find out what's behind door number one and door number two before you accept what's behind either door. That's probably, if not likely, what happened here. And it helped the Buccaneers, gauging the market. It's, a, it's okay for the agents to do it. It's tampering for the teams to do it. It happens all the time. The problem is every once in a while, something falls into the NFL's lap and they whack somebody for it just kind of arbitrarily like the Chiefs a few years ago when, God forbid, Andy Reid spoke directly to Jeremy Macklin at a time when he was only allowed to speak to Macklin's agent to negotiate a contract. So that's the risk. But the reward can be for the team that has the guy under contract. The guy knows that it's better for him to stay put where he is two more years for Levante David. Now, I think with Shaq Barrett, it's entirely possible, Shereem, that he wants so much. Because he used that line in one of his radio visits after the Super Bowl. He wants to break the bank. Maybe they know he wants so much he's not going to get it. So maybe, maybe this is one where... You let him go see what's out there. And he realizes that what he wants isn't out there. So come back on a one-year deal, just like two years ago. You know, maybe get the same amount he would have gotten under the franchise tag last year, not a 20% bump, something incentive-based based on sacks, whatever. And then he can become a free agent again in 2022 when the salary cap goes up. So it's not over yet, but it is surprising that the tag was applied to Godwin and Barrett doesn't have a deal. But they've got Godwin. They've got David. They hope to get Barrett. They, I think, would like to keep Indomitian Sue, but they're chipping away at keeping the band together. It's still going to take some time and effort to make it happen. What was the biggest surprise for you, either player that was or wasn't tagged? What's the one that made you say, wow? There were a few, Mike, and I was sort of surprised that the Lions didn't tag Kenny Galladay. Now, I personally would not have tagged him 
based on what he did last season, based on where the Lions are in the rebuilding process. So I think it's a good move that they didn't do it, but we had heard that they might do it and they really liked him and really wanted to keep him. And maybe they still will. Maybe they'll sign him to a long-term deal. Who knows? But this is a guy who only played five games last season, had 20 catches. He had the hip injury and the hamstring, hamstring injury. But he is only 27 years old. If he stays healthy, he's a good receiver. The question is, can he stay healthy going forward? We'll see if he gets the open market, what he gets on the open market. And maybe he returns to the Lions anyway. But a rebuilding team, I think they needed to let him walk away. And and they did. And I think it's a good move by the Lions. But it did surprise me a little bit. Here's the dirty little secret that agents and even teams don't like us talking about but in a case like this it's unescapable or inescapable as the case may be i've been hanging around sims too much (laughs) kenny galladay may have been holding in last year that hamstring injury yeah that may have just been frustration and not getting the contract he thought he deserved from the detroit lions that happens and and it's it's dangerous ground to make that accusation and i'm not i'm not making it at all but it may not be that he suddenly became injury prone it may be that in the last year of his contract, without the financial security for 2021 and beyond, he he wasn't going to take any chances. And maybe he had hamstring tightness that in a normal year with full financial security, he would have played through. So that's something that that anyone that's going to sign him to a long-term deal is going to want to get to the bottom of because that, that helps explain why he did what he did. Now, of course, you potentially become a team that he does that to in the future, but it's not uncommon. It doesn't get talked about much. But it happens. Guys hold out, and sometimes guys hold in. And they typically do it when they're in the last year of a contract and they're not happy with the offers they're getting and they're not willing to go out and take the financial risk that comes along with playing and potentially getting injured before they get their payday. So I, 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 I wasn't surprised he wasn't tagged. And I won't be surprised if he gets a good payday somewhere. My bigger concern about receivers whether it's Godwin, Robinson, who were tagged, Galladay, who wasn't. You know, we talk all the time now about all the great receivers coming in through the draft. I wouldn't pay big money to a receiver right now. I wouldn't make that huge investment on a receiver right now. I'm stunned that the Buccaneers tagged Chris Godwin. I thought they could just let him walk away. Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Antonio Brown, and draft somebody. You don't need to pay that huge money to Chris Godwin when you're already paying market value to Mike Evans. That's the one that surprised me, the move that surprised me the most. Even though we knew it was on the radar screen, I said, holy something, when I saw that that had happened. Yeah, and Mike, back to Galladay, they offered him $16 million per season a year ago, and he turned that down. I don't know that he gets that much on the open market. I certainly wouldn't pay him that much on the open market, especially with the salary cap going down like it is. I'm with you. Go draft a receiver. Michael Gallup, for instance, was a third rounder. I mean, tons of examples out there of second rounders, third rounders, fourth rounders who have developed into really good receivers in the NFL. They just come out ready to play, and we've seen it year after year after year here lately. I love the receivers in this draft. I'm going to draft a receiver before I'm going to give one of these guys a a huge contract. I I just think that's probably the way to go right now with the receivers because there's such good receivers everywhere you look. Also not tagged, Packers running back Aaron Jones. Now, we had an estimate of over $11 million, and it just didn't make sense. Same reason why it doesn't make sense to make that huge investment in receivers. You can get running backs anywhere. You can get running backs everywhere. Aaron Jones has shown us flashes of greatness, but not the kind of sustained success that would justify the eight-figure 
one-year deal that potentially becomes a market value deal later in the offseason if he's signed before the July 15 deadline for doing that long-term deal with a franchise tag player. So he hits the market. Will someone overpay for Aaron Jones? Will someone not even overpay, just pay market value? There's a mindset among the agent community that running backs only get big money from the team with which they developed into a star player. That on the market, you're not going to get paid kind of like what you've already done or for what you've already done. There isn't a fan base that's already built in that wants to keep the guy. So we'll see. I, I, I remember somebody suggesting $15 million a year for Aaron Jones. I'm like, no, 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 no. No one's going to pay him $15 million on the open market. So we'll see. Maybe he stays with the Packers. You know, some of these guys who are going to become free agents now may look around and realize I'm better off staying where I am for one year and becoming a free agent next year when the salary cap is higher. He's certainly the best running back on the market, Mike. Completely understand why they didn't tag him. But they do have a hole there at receiver behind A.J. Dillon. They have a bunch of nobodies there. And they have Jamal Williams also is scheduled to become a free agent and Tyler Irvin. So they need to have a plan. I'm sure they do what they're going to do at running back. He's very valuable with what he's done over the last two seasons for the Packers. We've seen it. He's been outstanding for the Packers. Maybe somebody does overpay for him. I don't know. But maybe they look at it and say he's a running back and we don't pay running backs big money. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Aaron Jones. To me, he's one of the most interesting free agents in this class of free agents to see how he comes out, Mike, whether it's a long-term deal or a one-year deal. It, it, uh, it remains stunning to me that Packers fans get so triggered whenever I say or tweet or write that – they should have used the first round pick last year on a receiver or the fourth round pick that they used to move up in round one to get Jordan Love, they wouldn't be in this predicament now where they're so thin at receiver and they have to worry about paying running backs. They've got, not that it's a ton of money invested, but it would have been a roster spot, a first round pick, the slotted contract that goes with it on somebody who would have helped them last year. That's undeniable. No matter what Jordan Love becomes, he can become a Hall of Famer. He did nothing to help them win games, and get farther than the NFC Championship round in 2020 when their window was open. Window was open 2019. They didn't get to the Super Bowl 2020. They didn't get to the Super Bowl with that receiver or whoever they would have gotten who would have actually played last year could have been enough to make a difference to get the Packers over the hump. Now they're going to have to decide how much they can afford on Aaron Jones, how upset will Aaron Rodgers be about Aaron Jones possibly leaving. These are all issues that the Packers are going to have to work out. Others who weren't tagged, Hassan Reddick, who had that huge day against the Giants, five sacks. If I'm a team in the NFC East, I'm very interested in adding Hassan Reddick. If I'm the Giants, maybe I sign him so he doesn't (laughs) sign with one of the other teams in the NFC East. Hunter Henry, the Chargers tight end, he'll be available to any team. He was tagged last year, not this year. Jonu Smith, the Texans tight end. Chris Carson, the Seahawks running back, that's no surprise. He's got chronic injury issues. Shaquille Griffin, Chargers corner, he wasn't tagged. Bud Dupree, I, we, we had an exchange on the PFT text chain when, when I think it was Shefty yeah. who breathlessly reported that Bud Dupree isn't going to be tagged. No crap, he wasn't going to be tagged. The, yeah. Of course, he's re- recovering from a torn ACL, and they would have had to give him a twenty percent raise over his tag number for last year. Of course, oh, he's informed he isn't going to be tagged. Well, then he's the last person to know he wasn't going to be tagged, Shireen. 
Well, yeah, Kevin Colbert already said he we aren't tagging anybody this year. I mean, it was obvious he wasn't going to be tagged. Bud Dupree already knew he wasn't going to be tagged. He should have taken the long-term deal a year ago. He and Dak share the same agent. They both bet on themselves. Even though Dak had his injury, it worked out for him. It did not work out so well for Bud Dupree, Mike. And I think he's probably going to have to settle for a one-year deal with somebody. I don't see anybody offering him really big money, not knowing how he's going to come off that ACL injury, when he's going to come back, all those sorts of things. Too many questions with him. I think he's going to have to do a one-year deal, bet on himself again, and maybe even have to prove himself in 2022 to get the big deal that he's still looking for. The injury risk that you carry under the franchise tag is more significant for someone other than a quarterback because quarterbacks have extra protections. And even then, Dak Prescott has that badly broken ankle and he still gets the long-term deal the next year. But for Dupree, it was a calculated risk. And it's a shame. And again, to echo the criticism from last week of Dan Campbell, the Lions coach, who was acting like it's a great thing to be franchise tag. No, it's not. Because while it pays very well for one year, it delays by at least a year the opportunity to go to the market and get maximum value, generational wealth, the kind of fair market return that players rarely get and that owners rarely give. And they only give it to the best players who are in position to get to the market. This is all part of the device. And it's fun. It's exciting. I'm not complaining about having things to cover, but it would be better for the players if there wasn't a franchise tag deadline because there wasn't a franchise tag and they all became free agents when their contracts expired. But you know what, Shereen? People in the media will huff and puff and players in the union will huff and puff from time to time about it. The reality is the franchise tag will never go away because the concession that the players would have to make to get the owners to give it up, even if it was on the table, first they got to put it on the table. Even if it was on the table to give up, the concession would be so much it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah, exactly right, Mike. It's never going to go away. And from a media standpoint, we love it. Today was fun. It was a great day. And I don't know why they have a week of doing this. We don't need a week. We need one day to say, hey, deadline is March 9th at 4 p.m. Tag them when you want to tag them. And we all know they're going to mostly happen today. I guess we got Justice Simmons early, right? That was that was the only one confirmed by the team before today. But it was a fun day. So, I like it from a media standpoint, from a player standpoint, probably not so much. And it will be interesting, Mike, among these players, we know there'll probably be some who are going to hold out at least through the offseason program to make their point that they're not happy with the tag. July 15 is the next deadline that's relevant for the franchise tag players. That is when the window closes on a long-term deal. You know, once upon a time, the rule was that the window stayed open until April 15 and then closed until July 15. And then as of July 15, that's when they could negotiate toward a long-term deal. Never made sense. And they got rid of that about 15 years ago. Now you have until July 15 and that's it until the end of the regular season. So we'll see how many of these guys get long-term deals. A lot of it's going to be driven by where the salary cap is. We still don't know where the salary cap is going to be. We do know where Dak Prescott is going to be. He's going to be in Dallas at least for the next four years. When we return, a more detailed discussion of the contract. Four years, $160 million that keeps Dak in Dallas. We'll discuss that next year on PFTPM. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh... 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. All right, Dak Prescott has his contract, four years, $160 million. The news broke just after we went off the air last night. Thanks a lot, Dallas Cowboys. You, I, guess, I guess it could have been worse. They could have done it during the show, and we would have had to pivot on the fly. But, Shireen, record factors in this deal. $66 million signing bonus. That's a record. $75 million fully paid out in the first year. That's a record. $95 million fully guaranteed at signing. Another record. And these record amounts on a four-year deal, usually it's five or six or seven years because it's an extension with a year or two left of four, five, or six years. Russell Wilson always does a four-year extension. He's always got a year left. It's always a five-year deal. To get a four-year deal with this kind of money, it is incredible. And I see some people on Twitter who are trying to argue that it's not that great of a deal. Have you lost your freaking minds? It is an awesome deal. It blows away the Patrick Mahomes deal. It blows away the Deshaun Watson deal. And we had the graphic earlier today. The payout over the first four years of the deal, in this case the only four years of the deal, far superior to every other great quarterback contract that paid out significant amounts in the first four years. Prescott blew them away. And Mahomes, first four years, $59.3 million more for Prescott than Mahomes. Unbelievable. Oh, and Prescott will be a free agent after those four years. Mahomes, after his first four years, has eight years left under contract. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I am not at all surprised that the Cowboys got this done because Jerry Jones, as I've said repeatedly, has never lost a player he truly wanted to keep. And he truly wanted to keep Dak Prescott, as we know. I think it took far longer than he expected it to take and cost him far more money than he expected to have to pay to Dak Prescott. But in the end, he got his man, just like he always has. Now, people point to DeMarco Murray. The Cowboys were willing to let DeMarco Murray walk. They had a set number in mind, take it or leave it type deal. But I'm talking about a player that they absolutely did not want to lose. They have never lost a player like that. They were not going to let Dak Prescott walk. They overpaid for him what they could have paid for him a year ago, two years ago, but they got their man, Mike. So I am curious from you because you're really good on these contracts. A, were you surprised at how much it was? And B, how much do you think ultimately it cost the Cowboys not to get this done sooner, whether that was a year ago or two years ago? 
Yeah, look, I, I was surprised, but I wasn't because I knew it was going to take something significant to get Dak to give up the bird in the hand, which yeah. was $37.68 million this year, and then either transition tag, $45 million next year, franchise tag, $54 million next year, or open market. What do you give him to get him to say, I'll set that aside? It was going to be $40 million a year, the most that any quarterback or any player has ever gotten from value at signing. $40 million per year from signing. That is incredible. And I mentioned earlier the payout through the first four years. Look at how that compares to Wilson, Rodgers, Tannehill, down the line, and there at the bottom, Patrick Mahomes, $59 million or 57.4. I don't know. I can't do math anymore. $57.4 million behind. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it's close. And they know who we mean. Um, I, but, yeah, look, they wanted to keep him. Their mistake was assuming that they would get him to do a deal that they liked. What happened was Dak Prescott negotiated with Jerry Jones the way that Jerry Jones would have negotiated with Jerry Jones. Took full advantage of the leverage, pushed the limit, was willing to not blink, and the Cowboys misread what Prescott and his agent would do. And I think part of it is they were spoiled by Tony Romo. Because Tony Romo, undrafted, there was always an element of, you know what, I've already won the lottery by becoming the Cowboys' starting quarterback. I'm just happy to be here. I'm going to take whatever deal they want me to take, and I'm not going to push for top dollar. I was always surprised by every contract he did, Shireen, that it wasn't as much as it could have been. And I think that's part of the mindset of an undrafted guy. Dak ignored all that. Dak played his leverage. And, yeah, if they would have come to him – Back in January of 2019, after he finished his third NFL regular season and swooped in and offered him $30 million a year at signing instead of $40 million a year, they'd have easily gotten it done. They could have done, they, they could have offered him Jimmy Garoppolo's contract five years, $27.5 million in early 2019 and probably gotten it done. So, um, yeah, they, their delay cost them a ton of money. Now, the contrast is. Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. You sign those guys after three years, and within two years you can't wait to rip it up or trade the guy away and let someone else pay the rest of the money. But the Cowboys, by not getting it done quickly after three years, end up with a lot more that they're going to pay. And, you know, the reality, Shereen, this isn't going to be four years 160. This is going to be three years 126, which means $42 million a year, and then a new contract after that with – higher salary cap, more TV money, a more mature gambling industry as it relates to the NFL, so more revenue for the teams. So this next deal for Prescott, wherever the bar is then, Prescott's going to push it even higher. And Patrick Mahomes is going to be looking around saying, what the hell was I thinking? He's going to be trusting the good nature of the Chiefs to rip up his contract. And you know that's something that Jerry Jones never would have done. If they decide Dak Prescott to the Patrick Mahomes deal, he's stuck with that. Until 2031, they're never giving him a break. And so, hey, if you know the Joneses are never going to give you a break, you don't give them a break. You push it to the limit, and you get it done, and that's what he did. And you know what this tells me too, Mike? Jerry Jones has a full hand in those TV deals. He absolutely knows what's coming down the pike, and he sees the salary cap jumping up starting in 2022 and beyond after they do these TV deals. So he he is in the, that negotiating room. He is in on that. 
He knows what the future holds, so he is unafraid to do this deal. They lowered the salary cap by, what, $15 million this year, that Dak's number for this year. They got that done for this year, and then he knows beyond that they're going to have the salary cap room to fit Dak Prescott under there, Mike. Well, well and uh, look, they all know what's coming from a salary cap standpoint and a TV deal standpoint. That doesn't mean they want to give money away. And Jerry Jones was not going to give money away. <laughs> he got backed into a corner on this deal. He did this deal because he had no other alternative. And yes, there will be more cap space and there will be a lot more money. And it will be easier to manage this, ca- this contract in future years because as you push cap dollars into future years, relatively they, they're worth less because the cap keeps going up and up and up. So... Uh, that's just the reality of this. And they have devices in this contract. So next year, for example, the $20 million base salary that Dak is due to earn, the Cowboys have the right to maximize how much of that gets treated as a signing bonus, spread over the remaining three years of the contract and the two dummy years on the back end to make it more manageable and push some dollars into the 2025, 2026 years where the salary cap should be tremendously higher. So they know that that's what's coming. And I think you're going to see more and more teams play those games to push cap dollars into future years when those cap dollars, dollar for dollar, are going to mean less because the cap is going to be a lot higher. Those dollars don't have any inflation that applies to them. So dollar for dollar, it's easier to take those charges in future years when the cap goes up. And oh, by the way, there's no state income tax in Texas, so he's better off that way too. But Mike, I know going into this season, there are going to be very few players who have more pressure on them than Dak Prescott. You've gotten paid. The bullseye is now on you to do what Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman did for this franchise, right? He's got to win a Super Bowl, and he hasn't even gotten the team yet to the NFC Championship game. He has not played well in the postseason. He's not gotten the Cowboys over the hump. Right now, he's Don Meredith and Danny White and Tony Romo, who were never able to ascend to that next level of Cowboys quarterback. So he's going to have a ton of pressure on him to get it done and and get it done in a hurry. I mean, he's got this four-year deal, but the pressure is going to be on him in 2021 and 2022 to take that next step for the Cowboys, Mike. We know they haven't played in the championship game since 1995. Yeah, see, I disagree. I disagree. I think the pressure's off. He's gotten his money. He's gotten his payday. He's getting $126 million over the next three years. I'll take that pressure. You want to pay me $126 million over the next three years and say, now the pressure's on you? Okay, yeah, okay, I guess the pressure's on me. I'm making $126 million over the next three years. I'll happily take that pressure. Look, it's all gravy at this point. As you said, they haven't been to the NFC Championship since 1995. The pressure's on Jerry Jones to make it work around Dak Prescott. And, and the, the idea that, that uh, people are going to get mad at Dak, and people are going to be mad at Dak because he's taken up too much of the salary cap in their mind. But, but again, it's not his job to manage the cap. And these guys who don't maximize their earnings are doing a disservice to everyone else who plays the quarterback position and all other players out there who have leverage. You go get what you can while you can because there are so many teams, Shireen, that, that – don't spend up to the cap, that pocket that money as raw profit, and every team knows how to play the games to go over the cap if they want to go over the cap and make it work. So I, I, I think that, that there is no pressure. Well, I mean, no more than what there ordinarily would be. 
I don't I don't think it would be right to wag a finger at Dak if he doesn't take the team to the NFC Championship this year simply because he got the big contract. Because part of what he's getting paid for, and, and this is how I would justify it if I was him, part of what he's getting paid for is money that he should have gotten 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019 when the system was used against him because the system slots what he's going to make limits his earnings, prevents him from even getting a raise until he's got three years in. He's used that system to his benefit. He's turned that system around on the owners. So that's part of this. This is compensation. He's managed to find a way to get compensated for things he's already done. That's not how it's supposed to work. He's found a way to do it. So that's another reason for me to say I really don't think there's extra pressure on him. The pressure's on Jerry and Stephen Jones and their personnel department and their coaching staff to do better than what they've done because it seems like every year lately on paper they look great and when it's time to go play what happens they can't get it done no question mike and you look at what he did in his first three years winning records every single season he hasn't had a winning record in the last two seasons eight and eight and then obviously had the ankle injury went two and three they weren't good everybody points to Dak's injury as the reason the cowboys weren't good they weren't good when they had Dak prescott last year they were two and three in his stars and that included the giants game when Dak got hurt and andy dalton came in and led him at the end of the game to a win in that game so games he started and completed the cowboys were one and three they weren't good around him last year they do need to get better talent around him no question about it i think the offense will be really good if they can get those guys back on the offensive line and keep them healthy but they've got to do something with that defense to help Dak Prescott and help the Cowboys if they are going to take that next step over the next two years it was only four games but he was averaging 371 passing yards per game he was on pace for nearly 6,000 and this year there's a 17th game so he could get to 6,000 if they throw it like they were last year I, I think that before we pivot to the impact of the contract on other quarterbacks, I think that this is Amari Cooper's last year with the Cowboys, and I think it's Ezekiel Elliott's yep. last year with the Cowboys. Do you have any thoughts yep. on that? I agree with you completely. I, I think both were, were not good deals for the Cowboys. I think they shouldn't have done those deals, particularly Amari, well, either one of them. But both of those guys have not played up to those contracts, and they can get out of them after this year. And, and unless they step up and have fantastic years, I don't see them being back, Mike. I agree with you. I think both of them will be gone after this year. Um, as to other quarterbacks, you know, you've got Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Josh Allen from the class of 2018 currently in position where they can sign long-term deals. Lamar Jackson's is going to be a challenge because he still doesn't have an agent. And and look, I, I, I hope for his sake he gets an agent. There is a tremendous difference that a good agent can make in a situation like this and get you the best deal you can and help you decide and help you understand the risks of taking a deal not taking a deal, playing out a contract, not playing out a contract. These are all very relevant considerations that you need to be advised on. It's not just the negotiation that gets done with the team. It's the advice that you get on how to properly make these moves because in a lot of cases, it takes effort, extreme effort to get the agent to persuade the client to not take what's on the table and to hold firm. And my guess is that Todd France had to spend plenty of time getting Dak to understand and, more importantly, arming Dak with the talking points that he could use when family members and friends and teammates started asking him tough questions along the lines of, 
Why aren't you taking this deal? Do you understand what you're doing? What kind of advice are you getting? What kind of risk are you taking? How can you say no to this money? Can you imagine? That's the pressure that Dak Prescott would have been under over the past couple of years. So that's what Lamar Jackson needs, Shereen. But whether it's the guys who are coming up for contracts immediately, guys like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers who have deals that could be reworked at some point, you're going to have plenty of quarterbacks looking at Dak's deal saying, man, where's mine? And maybe it's time for me to get an adjustment and a raise that goes along with it. Yeah, there's so many guys coming up, Mike. You even look at Kyler Murray after this year. If he has a big year, the Cardinals are going to have to pay him. So they're coming, and they're going to have to pay him. And he, this has reset the market somewhat uh, for quarterbacks yet again. And the quarterbacks are going to get their money. If they perform uh, to even a, I don't want to say mediocre, above mediocre level, I mean, you look at what Carson Wentz and Jared Goff did. I mean, Carson Wentz had one good year and then got hurt and still got paid. So quarterbacks are going to get their money, Mike, if they show anything at all. For Jared Goff, it was a start in the Super Bowl that got him paid. So these guys are going to get their money if they just show something that they can be a franchise quarterback, some potential, I guess. And if they don't if they don't keep performing, they're not going to get that money for very long. They're going to get traded or they're going to get right. cut or they're going to be dealt around like a hot potato and hope that they can turn it around. Although Goff and Wentz, both still operating under those contracts, their teams couldn't wait to get rid of them. And if they don't turn it around, they won't be making that back end. See, that's the thing. I saw someone argue today that quarterbacks now have to decide between taking the big short-term payday or the long-term security. There is no long-term security because in those long-term contracts, the guarantees are only real for the first few years. Now, there's some weird thing in Patrick Mahomes' deal where his guarantees vest early or something like that, but you can still get out of a long-term deal if you're a team. There's a point where it's easier to walk away. A short-term deal, you get your money. And then you get back to the trough. That's the goal. Get back to the trough as often as you can. And don't be tied up in a deal where you get to the back end. And the team is deciding one year at a time, Shireen, whether or not they want to keep you. That's where Aaron Rodgers is right now. That's one of the reasons I think Aaron Rodgers wants a new contract. Because the Packers can decide this year, next year, the year after, one year at a time, do we want to keep him? And if we don't, we rip it off and we walk away. And I think the players typically are going to want more security than that if they want to stay with a team. And Dak's got that security for three years, and then uh, he gets a chance to get a new three or four years of security. That's the way the game should be played. Short-term deals. Back again for another deal, another deal, another deal. That's how you maximize your revenue over the course of a career. And I think that's what Dak Prescott has now shown these guys, and I think that's what we're going to see moving forward. Mike is because they see the quarterback market going up. They see the numbers going up. So get back to the negotiating table as quickly as possible. Dak showed them how to do it. And now I think we're going to see much more of this going forward, Mike. One last point real quickly. I was on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas today. That's the Cowboys flagship station. And they asked me what kind of protections are in this deal in the event that Dak Prescott's ankle isn't right or he gets injured again or that ankle gets injured again or anything like that. The answer is there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing because that was part of his leverage. If they franchise tag him again, he gets $37.68 million fully guaranteed with no asterisk for your ankle needs to be fine. So if there's no asterisk in that, there's no asterisk in this. He gets his $160 million or $126, which is guaranteed for injury. If for some reason the ankle doesn't let him play, 
he gets his $126 million. There is no limitation. There is no equivocation. That tells me the Cowboys feel pretty good about his ankle, Shireen, but yeah. it's also indicative of the leverage that Prescott had. There is nothing that would limit what he makes if for some reason the ankle isn't right. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of what the Cowboys did with Jalen Smith, right? When they draft him in the second round and people are saying, well, how do you draft him? Well, their team doctor did the surgery on Jalen Smith. They have a pretty good idea of, of how Dak Prescott's ankle is and where it is and, and feel good about it or they wouldn't have signed him to this deal. Team doctor, not the guy that wears the Cowboy hat. Or was that him? Is he the one that yes, does no, the that's surgeries? Him. Yes, Dr. Cooper. Does he, yeah, Dan, Dan does he wear the Cowboy hat? Into the into the surgical room, the operating room, what they normally call That's it. That's a good question. That I'm would be something. That. Good question. All right. That would be something. I would love to see a photo of Dr. Cooper in surgery with his cowboy hat on. Let's take a break. More quarterback news when PFTPM continues on this fine Tuesday afternoon right after this. Lamar and I have had a couple uh, talks. We did spend some time together a few weeks ago, and that went really well. Um, we haven't really gotten into the actual contract proposals, negotiations, things like that. It was more of a general conversation um, about a lot of different things, the team, Lamar, um, you know, just how we were going to go about a negotiation like this. There's definitely some different moving parts that make this different than a lot of other negotiations we've done. So, um, I think from our perspective, it hasn't changed uh, from what I said postseason, which is Lamar's a really important part of the team. He's a leader. He's an outstanding player. He's a, a foundational type of guy for this organization. I really think he loves the organization. I think he's very appreciative of the organization and, and our stance and different things. And we're confident and committed to trying to get a long-term deal done. And hopefully we can get that done at some point, you know, in the near future. It may take a little time, but we're willing to try. Eric DaCosta, the Ravens general manager, we touched earlier on the fact that Lamar Jackson is one of the quarterbacks on deck for a new contract. Three years in, he has proven he's a great quarterback. And this is a dilemma for the Ravens. If he doesn't have an agent, how far, Shereen, do you push this? How much do you take advantage of the situation if it's not a skilled and seasoned agent who understands the nuances of the contract? There's talk that it's going to be Lamar Jackson's mom and her lawyer. And just because you get a lawyer involved, that doesn't mean the lawyer understands. Lawyers think they can figure anything out. Trust me, I was one. But that doesn't mean you can figure it out. You act like you know, and then you're kind of like, well, maybe I don't know, but I'll act like I know, and that's half the battle. You need people who really do know how the sausage has gotten made in other cases. And in a situation like this, you can end up with a deal that looks really good on paper, but then when you start picking around the details, it's not nearly as good. And you've got the template now with Dak Prescott's deal, but you know the difference is Lamar Jackson isn't anywhere close to having the leverage that Dak Prescott had. That's the leverage that you have when you're in the second year of your franchise tag, knowing that there can't be a third franchise tag. So Lamar Jackson really has two more years under his rookie deal and then another year after that he's four years away three years away from being in the same position Dak Prescott's in and he could do what Dak didn't say no I'm not doing a deal no I'm not doing a deal no I'm not doing a deal so he's at the front end 
of something that Dak had to deal with, and he has to deal with it for one more year because he's going to be under contract for five years under his rookie deal instead of four. So this is not going to be easy. And the sooner it gets done, the cheaper it's necessarily going to be for the team. And I do think that's where you need somebody to advise you, Mike, somebody who knows what they're doing, because otherwise I could see Dak Prescott signing a deal way back when that wasn't nearly as good as as what he got yesterday. And so Lamar Jackson does need some good advice. Whoever that comes from, he needs to seek it out and and figure out how he's going to get this deal done and when he's going to get this deal done. So hopefully he has somebody advising him who knows what they're doing. If not, I could definitely see the Ravens getting a good deal, a much better deal than they should out of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and uh, look, I don't think Dak Prescott went into his negotiations in 2019 saying, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say no, and I'm going to play this out, and I'm going to end up making a ton of money a couple of years from now. I think the Cowboys made it easier for him because they didn't make him an offer he couldn't refuse. And when you're Lamar Jackson, you've got a physical playing style. And yes, he's been able to stay healthy so far, but you can use that to your advantage. It's all about what you put on the table that he will or won't say yes to. It's how risk-averse is he when it comes to his money. Does he want that generational payday? Does he want it even if it's less than what it would be if he pushed it to the limit? These are all things that need to be worked out between Lamar whoever is advising him and the Ravens, but I can understand why the Ravens want to do it now because it's always more expensive the longer you wait. If they're sold on Lamar Jackson and they've they've basically reconfigured their offense around him, so they need him. If they're sold on this guy and they're not concerned about getting two years out from signing him to a long-term deal like the Eagles and the Rams did with Wentz and Goff and saying, what the hell did we do? Then swoop in, make him an offer he can't refuse now so you don't start on that path toward franchise tag one, franchise tag two, and you basically are over and in and under a barrel like the Cowboys were with Dak Prescott. And you better be sure, Mike. I mean, we use the Carson Wentz and Jared Goff as cautionary tales, right? And this guy has had one good year, frankly. They were not very good passing-wise last year. They won some games. They got to the playoffs. Lamar Jackson has not been good in the postseason, one and three in the postseason. Even though his regular season record is terrific, he's gotten to the playoffs every single season. Be sure that this is the guy who's going to lead you to the Super Bowl before you commit the money. We saw it with Joe Flacco, right? They gave him the big money after the Super Bowl, the MVP award, and frankly, he didn't live up to that contract after. I know why they did it. I get it. I understand it. If they had it to do over again and could see into the future, they wouldn't have given Joe Flacco that contract. That was the last time a team was in the same kind of compromised position that the Cowboys were in with Dak, and the Ravens have learned from that. They're not going to let themselves get into that trap again where they have no choice but to break the bank. They can they can fracture the bank but not flat-out break it and make Lamar Jackson happy, and I think they're going to be motivated to do it. All right, Al Franken once wrote a book titled Lies and the Lying Liars Who Tell Them, and that reminds me of, uh, or that came to mind as I think of the next two topics we're going to cover. I made this point yesterday as it relates to the Eagles. I wrote about it today. The last thing you want to tell is the truth. When you got one of these top 10 picks and there's going to be quarterbacks trickling down through the top 10 and you either want one. If you want one, you don't want anyone to know you want one because then you may as well plant a flag that says quarterback is being taken here. 
So anybody below you that wants a quarterback, what do they got to do? They got to get up above you. I think that's why the Eagles have leaked the idea that Jalen Hurts is the guy without competition. You never should leak the truth or what you actually think. You should leak the opposite of it so that, you know, when you see the Bengals at five and there's a quarterback on the board, Mac Jones potentially still there, I had no need to trade up. He's going to fall past past the Eagles at six? Well, maybe he won't because maybe they're lying about what they really think. And for the Lions, the flip side's true. You want, if you're not in the market for a quarterback, Shireen, you want to act like you are so teams will jump ahead of you, take a quarterback because you're not going to anyway. And what does that do? It pushes down the board a guy that you're more likely to want. It's that simple. So we, we go through this every year. Take with a grain of salt anything that anyone says or anything that a team leaks because they should never let us know what they're really thinking. Yeah, no question, Mike. And, you know, I think Brad Holmes thinks a lot of Jared Goff, and I don't think they'll take a quarterback. I think they should take a quarterback if they're sold on one of these guys. I think they should have drafted Justin Herbert with the third overall pick last year. They didn't. They passed on him, and we see where they are now. They had to trade Matthew Stafford, and they're starting over with Jared Goff, and who knows how long he'll last there as their quarterback, Mike. Another example of it, we're not going to play the sound, but Dave Gettleman, the Giants GM, said today that they're not in the market for a quarterback. That's how you, that's, that's how you protect your spot and not worry about someone jumping one spot in front of you to get a quarterback. You have to conceal what you're truly thinking. Unless these folks are operating at the Jedi mind trick levels, and these aren't the droids you're looking for, and 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 so we really want a quarterback, so we're going to act like we want a quarterback so they think it's the opposite. I'm giving myself a migraine. But, yeah, it's it's all BS. They should not be telling anything close to the truth unless they are trying reverse psychology and the reverse of that. And I, I, I need a, I need a nap after talking through all of this. Let's take a break. We're going to, or a break. We're going to wrap up this edition of PFTPM right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Non-fungible tokens are digital assets that are unique and limited. They can't be duplicated or split up. They have many uses, including for digital collectibles, 
music, digital artwork, digital trading cards, and in-game tokens. So that's kind of like the brief description of what what NFT is. And for me, it's basically going to be like a digital trading card. You know those trading cards you have in person? You know, you open the package. Well, that's what it kind of is going to be, but it's going to be digitally. And it's going to be unique. It's going to be awesome. And I am proud to be launching the Rob Gronkowski Championship Series NFT Collection. Uh, It's going to be dope. It's going to be dope. I don't think he understands NFT any more than I do, Shireen. Another example (laughs) of the fact that we are old because I don't get it. I don't understand it. And he's going to be auctioning off four of these different um, NFT cards that 87 only and you have to he's going to make money this is this is just a way to make money and people are going to try to make money and everybody wants to get in and make money and if i can figure out a way to make money i'll do it too i like the trading cards the real trading cards they don't know anything about those they don't want a part of them mike i have a feeling i'm missing the boat on an opportunity to make a lot of money but that's okay i'll go get my cane and yell at the clouds see you tomorrow everybody have a great day Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.